glory to God. Take your Bibles and stand up on your feet tonight. Turn to the book of Joshua. Put your hands together one more time for all of our beautiful children. The book of Joshua is a favorite book of mine. It has been for many, many years. Never forget Dr. Morocco preaching his series called Crossing Over Into Your Destiny. Pastor Kirsten and I are very familiar with that text and those verses of scripture and those messages, they changed our lives. And Joshua chapter one on this Vision Sunday. Hallelujah. And verse one. Are you ready? After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, I just want to stop and say the son of the son of Nun. He's recognized as the son of Nun. There's a man. His name is Nun. He's a father. He has a son. His name's Joshua. Moses 8, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross over the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give them every place where you set your foot, as I have promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be very strong. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, I'm going to say then, then you'll be prosperous and successful have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight and for the worship and all that's taken place already. We could go home. We feel like we've had a meal already in your presence. Lord, the fellowship is rich. Love is deep. But we ask now that you would come and speak to us out of your word. That you would come and speak to us, giving us living understanding. Or that you would activate our hearts. It would not just be head knowledge. It would not just be learning and education. But it would be that which brings light and truth. To change us, to change our families, to change our community even this week. Lord, use this message, I pray, to encourage the beloved. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I remember when I was a kid, I just couldn't wait to get to the next, the next age, you know. I mean, I didn't think so much about it when I was eight and nine, but, but well, maybe when I was nine, I, I was going to get to the double digits. Does anybody know, know what I'm talking about? It's like, then I just can't wait till I'm 10. 
I started thinking about it about then. And then, you know, after you're 10, you start thinking about maybe 13. It's always just like when I'm 13, little do we know how painful the teenage years would be. And it seemed like when I was 13 or when I got it to be a teenager, you know, I couldn't wait to, to be 18. I'm going to be 18 because back then, you know, it's all kind of blessings at 18 where I grew up in Long Island, New York. Oh, so many years ago. And I found myself after I was 18, I couldn't wait till I was 21. I mean, I, I don't know what the deal is, but, but in life we have a tendency to constantly look to the next thing. We just can't wait, you know, till we're 18, then 21, or can't wait for, for maybe when we're, we're single to be married. Then after we get married, you know, we're, we're looking for God to help us, maybe. <laughs> you know, in a single, uh, a married couple, a married couple, they're, they're praying usually, you know, Lord, give us a baby, and then, then you have a baby, and your life really changes then. And you're praying, and they... You know, you learn to change diapers. And you're praying maybe that your wife might do the most of that. You know, I, I was blessed at that stage in our marriage and raising of our children because I would, I would throw up. So immediately when I started changing diapers, you know, number one is not so bad. But number two, my throat would close and we would have a problem. Forget it, I'm going over here. You guys obviously don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going to start changing diaper. And, just be like, uh, uh, and my wife would have to take over. He's going to throw up on the kid. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, and then you, maybe you're, you're, you're praying and you're hoping, you know, you're hoping for change that, that, that they're going to get out of diapers then. Or maybe they, you know, they're crawling and you know, hope they're going to start walking soon. Then they start walking, you wish they crawled. Be like, man, it was so easy when they didn't get around by themselves. And you know, we're always looking for something different. Always looking to, always looking for the next thing. If I just had this and I'd be blessed. And you know, change is inevitable. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, it's gonna change. Oh, yeah, it's gonna change, all right. New jobs, you move. You know, people move more now than they ever have in history at least in our Western culture. How many of you people moved in the past five years you moved? Raise your hand. Just look around. Look around. Past five years you moved. That is a phenomena that is common only really to this generation. It's been increasing over the years, but they, they say, psychologists say, sociologists say that moving is one of the biggest stresses you can have in your life. I know that to be absolutely positively not true. There's other things that are way more stressful than moving, but moving can be stressful. It's inevitable that things are going to change. And Joshua, who is one of my heroes in Scripture, I have many, Jesus being the, the greatest hero of them all. But Joshua is one of my heroes. And Joshua was faithful. He was a servant of Moses. And the Lord comes and speaks to him and says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, read into this a little bit. Imagine you're working with somebody and he's been mentoring you or training you and you are the, 
You know, you're the apprentice of the man of God, or the apprentice of someone, and, and they die. Now, don't you think that if you showed up to work the next day and they're dead, you probably know they're dead, right? Say yes. Okay, so the Lord's telling Joshua something he already knows. Let me say this to you. When God tells you something you already know, he's telling you something different. He's telling you something you don't know. And so he says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Put yourself in his shoes. I mean, it had to be a terrifying moment to find out Mr. Burning Bush himself, who delivered the nation of Israel, who brought down the strongest nation in the world, Moses, fairly anointed guy. I mean, his, his shepherd's rod became the rod of God. When he threw it down, it became, I mean, this guy had it going on. He had some power, authority. He met with God and got the Ten Commandments written by the very finger of God. We're talking about Moses. So Moses is dead. And little old Joshua is going to take his place. I think it was like that. I think Joshua was totally overwhelmed. Did you get the idea that he's scared because over and over over and over he says, uh, be strong and courageous. Three times he says it. Be very strong. I think he's so scared he doesn't know what to do. I think he's absolutely terrified that he's now going to be the man in charge. When you go through things in life and you transition to it, you know, transition and change can be difficult. So transition and change can be very difficult. It can be a time of tremendous confusion. In the natural birthing, the, 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 the phase of transition and the birthing of a child. Now, I don't know anything about that except what I've read and what my wife has shared with me. The, the time of transition is one of the most difficult. Is that, am I, I got that right? That's like, that's when, you know, that's when people like scream out to their husband, you'll never touch me again, you know, and stuff like that. It's very difficult. <laughs> don't ever touch me. It's, we got kids here, praise God, that's all I'm going to say. We're going to keep moving, all right? It's not in the water. Everybody say, it's not in the water. All right. When you go through transition, and I, I, I sensed for people individually tonight, for families tonight, and for us as a church, we're in transition. We are shifting. Gears are shifting quickly. Shifting quickly regarding our, our building project. Shifting quickly regarding leadership. We're moving forward. You know, I uh, recently purchased a car. And in the, in the purchasing of the car, one of the things you want to check out is the transmission. And if, if, you don't, if you have a bad transmission, it's hard to go to the next speed, the next level. The next, the, you, you can't get, if you can't get out of first gear, it's hard to get, you know, off the on-ramp there and, and get up to speed to get on the freeway. You understand? At every area of transition, God's going to release to you, listen very closely, a new identity to you. And what I mean by that is that, of course, our identity is in Christ, but He's got to put something new in you so that you can rise out of fear and move into a new place of courage and victory and strength to go across the Jordan that's before you. I'm telling you tonight, God wants to help you deal with transition and deal with change. Many of you are in, maybe you're in the between a job, maybe spiritually you're sensing it, maybe your marriage, you know, your marriage will go through many levels of change and transition. 
As your parent, you go through levels of change and transition. I talked about some of those. God wants to help us in the midst of transition and change. I want you to know that just because you're facing a great transition, a great change, and if you're not in one right now, it's coming. Because that's common to be in a human being. Change is coming to you. And irregardless of change, God is going to bless you. Because he'll never leave you, never forsake you if you respond rightly. You respond the right way. The land on the other side of the Jordan represents all the promises that God has spoken to you. God wants to bring you through that place. God wants to bring you over your Jordan today. How to deal with change. How to deal with transition. So just some very simple points here. How to deal with transition. In Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, it says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord commanded Moses. It's a fascinating scripture. Joshua was in a relationship with Moses, and as a result of his relationship with Moses and his faithfulness, he was chosen to be the leader of God's people. You have to have a right relationship with the Lord, and you really, it's very important for you to have right relationship in the house and with other believers if you're going to make it in the time of transition. If you're going to make it through the Jordan, you're going to make it across the Jordan, you have to be rightly connected. If you're not rightly connected, then you could end up drowning in the Jordan. The first thing you'll see right in verse 4, come on, look at verse 4 with me. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, the great sea on the west. He's, he's quoting, the Lord is quoting what he told his ancestors already. This is a promise that was already given to Moses. It's a promise that was already given to Abraham. And so now Joshua is standing in the place of leadership, terrified, a place of transition. He's got to lead millions of people across the Jordan into the promised land. And God is telling him, your vision's got to be clear. C.S. Lewis said it this way. If you don't roughly know what things look like, it's hard to see them. It's like, really? God wants to give you a clarity. If you don't know where you're going, I mean, where are you going? Thank God for smartphones and GPSs on this last trip. But I'll tell you something, Siri ain't all that smart. Sometimes they get it all jacked up. And there's sometimes there are new addresses that Siri's never been to. And so we would get an address to go somewhere as opposed to looking at a paper map. My wife, my wife bought a bunch of paper maps and uh, we had to get them. They're usually not sold in gas stations anymore, really. We ordered them on Amazon and we never used them. But we have them just in case of an EMP or something. It's hard to find your destination if you don't know where you're going. And God speaks to him and says, in this transition, yes, you're afraid, but be strong and courageous. I'm with you. And the same promise that I gave to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses is still true today. And it's true for you, Joshua. I'm going to give you the land, like I said. And he reaffirms to him. He reaffirms to him the promise. What is the vision you have for your life, for your business? 
He said, well, I don't really know. Well, you need to, you need to get some clarity of vision. It's a vision for our church. We've got vision. We're not perishing. We have vision. My people perish for a lack of vision. We have vision. What is the vision? What has God spoken to you? What has he said to you that you're going to do? And as you move forward in times of transition, things get a little clearer if you remind yourself of the vision. My daddy used to say to me as he taught me how to play numerous sports, baseball, I didn't learn that one too good. But he did teach me how to play lacrosse. Lacrosse is a North American, uh, Native American game. It's uh, played now with a hard rubber ball and a strange stick that has a basket kind of on the end. It's kind of like high lie. He put a lacrosse stick in my hand when I was two. So two years old, I'm out there with a stick. By the time I was four, we were learning to throw it. And my father used to say this to me at every sport that I ever played. But I especially remember with lacrosse. Danny, keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. You know, it's funny. I find myself saying the same thing to my son. Keep your eye on the ball. If you're going to be successful and move forward in times of transition, if you're going to be walking in victory, you've got to keep your eye on the ball. What is your life about? What are you doing? Where are you going? And he makes it plain to Joshua in verse 4. By the way, Josh, remember what Mo, Mo said? Josh, same thing I said to Mo. Moses, in other words. You get it? Same thing is true. Exactly what I said is true. You've got to have a, a reminder. Listen, I don't know what God has spoken to you that you're believing to happen, but write it down on a piece of paper and put it on your fridge. Put it on your tablet. Put it on your iPhone. Put it before your eyes. Put, put, it, put it in a place where you can constantly be reminded, this is where I'm going. This is the word of the Lord. You know, we, we, uh, we love the gifts of the Spirit, and I, one of my favorite gifts of the Spirit is prophecy. And we have so many prophetic promises, and one of the things we like to do is to listen to them over and over again. And I know some people that not only listen to it over and over again, they have it categorized, cataloged, pardon me, that wasn't tongues, I was stuttering. <laughs> they have a cataloged on their phone, and they listen to it over and over again, and they write it out. And they write it out and they declare it and they pray it. You know, the, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, wage a good warfare with the prophetic word spoken over you. We're, we normally do that here for Joshua. What does that look like? What does it look like for Joshua? Lord, you said you're giving us, where is it? Verse, verse 4. Lord, you said you're giving us a territory from the desert of Lebanon and from the great sea of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea to the west. You're giving it to me. It belongs to us. We're crossing over. We're taking it. God, you said it. I believe it. I declare it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's take the land. That's, that's waging a warfare. And then putting your feet to it. What has God said that he's going to do in your life? What has God said he's going to do in your family, in your marriage, in your kids? What's he said? Get very clear because in change and transition, it can be confusing if you don't have clarity of vision and purpose. Keep your eye on the, keep your eye on the ball. We've been through many challenges and seasons as pastors here, my wife and I, and in other places. One of the things the enemy tries to do uh, in churches and ministries, but it's also in business, is the enemy throws you all this static. You'll have all kinds of things yapping at you like a little dog on the right and left. And if you give them credence, it empowers them. There's just some stuff you don't even need to address. Don't answer a fool in his folly. I learned that a long time ago. 
Don't grab a, don't grab a rabid dog by its ears or you're going to get bit. I mean, there's certain things. If people don't want to walk with you, let them go. That's for somebody. You know the story of Ruth and Naomi, don't you? As they sat there weeping, I mean, they left, they left, Naomi left the house of bread, a place called Bethlehem, because of a famine, and went over to Moab. And they're in Moab there, and her two sons find two women, and they, they get married. I mean, what a time of celebration. But then she didn't expect to go through the time of transition and pain that she was about to go through because both her sons and her husband died. And you can go and read that book of Ruth. They're there and what a meeting that was. I mean, these tears are flowing. Naomi's going to head back to Bethlehem. Famine is over. And she's telling her two daughters-in-law, go back to your people. Just go back. And they're weeping. No, I can't leave you. I can't leave you. And No, go back to your people. I'm going back. And the one daughter-in-law says, all right. And she goes. And Ruth says, where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. And she embraced. They embraced, and they went together as they entered into the city of Bethlehem. The text says there that the city rejoiced. You see, when you walk in your promise, when you walk in the purposes of God, when you walk in covenant relationship, it releases a joy in heaven and a release favor for you wherever you go. And there'll be people that don't want to go with you. I don't even know. We don't even know the name of the other girl that didn't want to go. I mean, we could go look it up, but we don't remember her name because she went back to her own people. Do you understand? I learned a long time ago, if they don't want to walk with you, let them go. What a painful thing to try to walk with people that don't want to walk with you. They don't like you. Join the club, get in line, do whatever, and welcome to the human race. There's only two or three people that like you statistically anyway. The good news is God loves you. He's on the throne. The devil's been defeated. And if they want to go, you don't have to get bitter about it, but just love and bless them. But I'll tell you, the love that doesn't turn away, love that walks through difficulty and painful, painful stuff, love that'll go across the Jordan, that can be counted on. I'm so grateful for covenant relationship. I'm so grateful for men and women that are willing to walk together, even though it seems like famine and darkness and, so and sorrow. Come on, you have to have that. Joshua was made of that kind of stuff. You have to have clear vision, and you have to be walking, I believe, in covenant relationship and remind yourself of the promise. What did God say? What did God say? I've told the story so many times before, but maybe some of you have not heard it. When I first got here, we had quite a transition. The church grew very quickly, and then it shrank even quicker. And uh, we had a church truck. It was a Chevy, a 1500 Chevy. It was a plow truck. And uh, it had some issues, but it was a good vehicle. Got stolen a couple times and got returned. And I was driving it to Delta Junction. And uh, on the way back, after ministering there, we used to have an extension of ours in Delta Junction. On the way back, it was 40 and 50 below zero. I forget, it's all the same when it gets that cold. And uh, I was not trained in the, uh, the Arctic procedures of driving a vehicle 
at 40 and 50 below. I, I just didn't know. I, I didn't think to look on Google. And uh, those that knew better didn't tell me or I wasn't listening or whatever the case may be. And so driving back, the fuel froze. You say that, you say that to somebody in the lower 48, they're like, what? I don't, gasoline can't freeze. Oh, yes, it can. It gels, okay? You want to call it freeze, it gels. I remember popping as that truck died and I pulled over. I remember popping the hood and seeing ice all over the whole, the whole intake and the carburetor, the whole thing. I think it's just like ice all over. I thought, I think we probably should have had some cardboard in front of the, in front of the grill. Oh, okay, so obviously you guys, so no, so you should have, if you're going to drive in the Arctic, you should have something across your grill so that cold air at, at hundreds of degrees below zero or whatever it is, you're driving 60 miles an hour, doesn't freeze everything on top. God, I didn't know that. I didn't know about heat, putting that in your tank, on and on and on. And so as I'm on the side of the road, and, and we, I sent for help, and after I sent them, I wish I didn't. And I did jumping jacks behind the wheel and all my little Arctic gear didn't work. Come on, come on some of you guys know this story. I, I started freezing, started feeling like I wanted to fall asleep. If you're really, 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 really cold, don't go to sleep. Everybody say, don't do it. Yeah, don't do it because that, that's hypothermia. And so I, I start feeling like really like I want to go to sleep. I can't feel my legs. It's moving up. I've kind of moved past the fear stage. I'm just kind of like, let's take a nap. And then I realize cotton kills and don't go to sleep. Those are the two things I remembered about moving to Alaska. Cotton kills, don't go to sleep in the cold. And there's this one man, he just used a cotton to kill you. That's what he used to say, he said it like a hundred times. Pastor, cotton to kill you. He cotton to kill you. He cotton to kill you. Cotton to kill you. Everybody say cotton to kill you. Yeah, cotton to kill you. I still don't know what it means, but anyway, cotton to kill you. And so I got to that place where I'm just like falling asleep. I'm cotton to kill you. I think I'm dying. And this prophetic word that God gave me that moved me out of Kauai burned in my heart. Because he told me there's a great revival coming. He told me there was going to be a great church. He told me there was going to be a release of God's power. He told me that he was going to send a mighty revival and that I was supposed to be a part of it. And I hadn't seen that because half the church hated me right then. So I'm thinking, man, Lord, this is not revival. I'm dying here. That is tongues. And I started proclaiming, I am going to see this. You're going to bring it about. And I just declared the word of the Lord. Listen, you have to remind yourself when you're in the freezing state of transition, you don't know which way is up. You can't see the forest from the trees. Remind yourself of the promises of God. What did God say? What did God say? I'm never afraid on airplanes. I'm never afraid on airplanes. I get on airplanes. I ask the Lord if I should get on it. I always touch the top of it. Sometimes I bless it. I got my little things I do. But as I'm getting on, I, I'm, every airplane I ever get on, I check right before I step on the plane. So right before I get out of the jetway and into the plane, I'm, I'm like, Lord, you can talk to me now if you don't want me on it. You want me on it? Okay. And if he ever says no, we done. Bounce the ticket, do whatever you want. Stay in the city, get a hotel. We're not going on the plane. One time I was going to get on a plane. I can't tell that story. Listen to the voice of the Lord. Remind yourself of the promises of God. You're like, man, what was that story? I'm not telling you. Let's move on to the next point. Be strong and courageous. In the Hebrew, strong and courageous. 
In a Hebrew understanding of that, they're linked. You see, if you have courage, you're strong. Courage releases strength. Courage is doing it afraid. Courage is though you might sense fear, you still move ahead. I've had the great joy of, of doing these what we call call-out rooms and prophesying over people. And, you know, sometimes there's 30, 40, 50, 60. You know, it kind of depends. And it always requires courage to do it. It always requires courage to just begin to speak the word of the Lord over somebody. And, and it's easy when, when the, the Spirit's operating in that you can see the word of the Lord and you can then prophesy it. It's a very different, different function of the gift to prophesy at will over the person who's standing in front of you and, and person after person after person. And for me, doing that as I've talked with other friends of mine and the Hammonds and different people that you may or may not know, they all say the same thing. Oh, you just jump. Just jump. Just, you know what I mean, just feel like, what am I going to do? I don't know. Jump off and, and, and get going because with courage, God releases strength and anointing. You know, the gifts of the Spirit are only entered into through boldness. Joshua needed some serious boldness to transition through the next phase of his life, the next phase of his leadership, and so do you. You need courage and you need strength. Other than that, you're going to cave in, hide under your kitchen table, and just weep in fear. Fear will magnify your monsters. Fear makes, makes mountains out of your molehills. Fear makes you irrational. No, you need to be strong and courageous. And if you look at verse 6 with me, come on, turn there to verse 6. You all there? Well, my, 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 uh, my phone crashed. Yeah, I ever wonder about the new updates, if they just make it crash on purpose so you go get another phone or whatever they do. I, I, might be a conspiracy there. Verse 6, I got it. Joshua 1, verse 6. Be strong and courageous because, everybody say because. because. You will lead these people to inherit the land. Wow, no pressure. I swore your ancestors didn't be very strong and courageous. He's telling them be strong and courageous because you affect the entire nation. Josh. Josh, not you. <laughs> Joshua, you affect the entire nation. I want to tell you, if you will realize today, ma'am, sir, brothers, brethren, sistren. I didn't say cistern, I said sistren, which is not a real word. It's a play on brethren. Okay. You might get that on the way home. If you will be strong and courageous, you will affect all those around you that see you walk in victory and you will release strength and courage. If you cave, if you quit, if you fold up shop, then you just might release the fold up shop spirit. You affect others. Don't yield to the snare of the enemy to get you over into discouragement and get you over into overwhelm. Don't yield to him. Don't yield to him. Lay hands on yourself if that's what it takes. Lock yourself in the bathroom and pray until you're filled with courage. Many times we don't have courage, we don't have strength because we're not connected rightly to the Lord. We've not spent enough time in prayer. You know, I, I have a tendency to get overwhelmed if I get under prayer. In other words, I don't have enough prayer. Things get really overwhelming. It's like, what are we doing? Oh, man, what have I done? Lord, I if I even have the faintest thought come through like that, I realize, oh, 
we're not praying enough. If you feel like that and you're moving forward in the call that God gave you, the vision that God gave you, and you in your mind are thinking, what have I done? Now you have to discern whether that's, that's, that's the enemy trying to whisper to you your own soul of the Lord. You know, because some of you get, get so far beyond actually what God told you to do, and then you want him to rescue you. You know, it's hard to get courage and strength if you're out in a place of disobedience. You got ahead of the Lord. I've seen this with businesses. I've seen it. I've seen people and get, get engaged and get married, and they, they shouldn't have done it. They should have waited, but they wouldn't listen to pastoral counsel. They wouldn't listen to people that tried to help them because he just looks so good. He loves me. Yeah. I mean, I hope he does. You know, we'll find out. Love has nothing, nothing to do with looking good or feeling in love. Love has everything to do with crucifixion. <laughs> yeah, is he willing to die on a cross for you? That's how you know, sweetheart. That's how you know if he's, really, if he's willing to wait and willing to treat you like, 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 like Christ treated the church. You know, that, 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 that you want to marry that. Verse 7, come on, look at verse 7. Be very strong and courageous. Be careful. Everybody say, be careful. To obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. He's talking about obedience. That you may be successful wherever you go. Don't let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. You know, this promise is just as true today as it is back then. If you'll learn to meditate on the Word, if you'll learn to think the Word, you want to become a spiritual athlete, you want to overcome all the days of your life and walk into everything that God has for you, you're going to learn that you have to learn how to take every thought captive and make it obedient. You have to learn how to think God's thoughts. You can't afford to have a thought in your head that God doesn't have towards you. You have to learn to declare it, proclaim it, preach, pray, prophesy, and speak to darkness and cause the light to break in at the entrance of His Word. There's light. And you're going to have the enemy show up. You're going to have him rear up his ugly little head. You'll have people that don't like you, naysayers, people that will point the finger at you, people that will blame you. There's all kinds of stuff that will happen, but you, if you can stay connected and in a place of obedience, you can walk in a courage, you can walk in an authority that will change the world. History books are waiting to be written about a people who would really believe God, walk in courage, walk in strength, and see his kingdom come. Won't you do it? And won't you teach your kids? Obey the Lord. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Some of you need a bar of soap in your mouth. You can always tell who's reading and who's in the Word and who isn't. We have a friend, a very close friend, Pastor Jason Adair. And when that guy preaches, it's mostly Scripture. I mean, it's, it's amazing to hear how much Scripture comes out of that guy's mouth. And we were eating dinner with him just uh, a month or so ago. And I heard him preach. And every time I hear him preach, I'm convicted that I am not in the Word enough. And I don't memorize the Word enough. And I'm just sitting there I'm like, man, Lord, I want to know Scripture like that. I want Scripture to flow out of me like that because I understand the, the two-edged sword of the Word. His word, God's word, he spoke this to me recently and I shared it with you. Listen to this. God spoke this to me. And I think I heard it from somewhere else, so I don't claim to, to be the originator of it. None of us have an original thought anyway, so. My word in my mouth, says the Lord, my word in my mouth is just as powerful as my word in your mouth. 
You know why? Because it's His Word. His Word, heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word will remain forever. It's one of the reasons I am, you know, I'm very passionate about when you share your faith, use Scripture, because Scripture does something that your regular words can't do. And, you know, something else is, uh, you know, Bible books for kids. My wife would tell you, we, 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 we kind of battled back and forth, not really, but I didn't want just a picture book for my kids. There was something that bothered me about them, yeah, when they're little. The picture books, it's good, teach them the stories, but get some word in there. Get, the, get, them, get them scripture so they start learning scripture even when they're little. I think every one of your kids ought to have their own Bible. Come on, Pastor Kirsten, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Every one of your kids, you ought to buy every one of your kids a Bible. Buy them a Bible. Get them to open it up and look at the pictures. I have buy, yeah, look at the pictures and read the scriptures and do whatever. Learn the stories. Get it, get it down in their, in their soul. Get it down in their spirit. Teach them to have a moral warehouse. And teach them to speak the word. You'll notice he says that. He says, he says to speak your word. Meditate on it day and night. Wow. Come on, someone say, I'm going to speak the promises. There's such an assignment to try to be afraid. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Three times he says it. Have I not commanded you? Be very strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Everybody say, do not be discouraged. I remember I learned the years and years ago, and for those of you that were walking with me all the way back then, I'll tell you the story. I was, I was in Maui, and I was becoming a pastor, and I was going to move to the island of Molokai. And Molokai is, uh, is a tremendous place. However, it was like death for preachers. And I heard all the stories about a spirit of death that would come on you, and, and I heard all the stories about the cursed grove you know, we got like dignified devils in Alaska mostly. It was pretty intense back then. And we heard all these stories about all this stuff. And I remember having a vision that God gave me that called me there. And I, I, I wanted to deny it, but it was too true and too real. And so as we started the transition process of taking over that church, there was some very frustrating things that took place. And I remember Dr. Morocco coaching me all those years ago, and he said this. He said, you know, we could get very frustrated right now. I'm like, yeah. He's like, we are not going to get frustrated. And he said, I will not get frustrated. I am not going to get frustrated. <clears throat> in Jesus' name, I'm not going to. I mean, by the third time he said it, and then he said it in Jesus' name, I thought, hmm, I think he's battling frustration. <laughs> But I learned something about discouragement. I learned something about fear. I learned something about frustration. I learned that I don't have to tolerate that mess. And I can put my prophetic finger and drive it right out of my heart, drive it out of my home, drive it out of my life. I am not going to yield to fear. I'm not going to yield to discouragement. I am not doing depression. I'm not doing any of that stuff that comes from the devil. I'm not doing it. I refuse to get frustrated, refuse to get discouraged. I refuse to get depressed. I refuse to have anxiety. I refuse to have all the fruit that comes straight 
straight from the pit. I'm going to walk in courage. I'm going to walk in strength. I'm going to be filled with faith. I'm going to take the land. I'm going to meditate on the word day and night. I'm going to speak it forth. I will not yield to fear and discouragement. Say that. I will not yield to fear and discouragement. Purpose in your heart not to do it. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. It's an act of violence to say, no, I'm not yielding to what I feel right now. My, my, my. I believe that God's speaking to us tonight. In the midst of the, your transition, God is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will anoint you, but you've got to partner with him. He's not just going to do it. You have your responsibility in it. God will not do for you what he's asked you to do. You can't do the God stuff. Only he can part the Jordan. Only he can do that. But you must be strong and courageous. You must meditate on the word day and night. Speak it. Remind yourself of what he said. Remind yourself of the promises of God. Don't take no from the, for, for an answer. Say yes to the Lord. Say yes to his will. Say yes to his way. And watch the Jordan part. And, and the Lord will help you. And he'll strengthen you. So don't be confused. Don't be dismayed. In the time of transition and change, God is going to help you through it. God is going to anoint you. He will. If you believe that, say amen. Stand up on your feet all across this place. Lift your hands to heaven. Lord, we love you. We worship you. You're the one who called us to it. You're the one who enable us. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm with you. I'm with you. God who anointed Moses, the God who anointed Joshua, the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light will anoint you, help you, strengthen you. For I know the plans I have for you, it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, plans to give you a hope and a future, not to harm you. Come and pray and I'll hear from heaven and I will answer you. I want to bring you to places, the Lord would say, I want to bring you to places that are far beyond your ability in the natural. I want to bring you to places of rich fulfillment. I want to release vision, power, and anointing to you. Your role is to just stay in a place of belief. Push away the darkness. Push away the fear. And let courage fill your heart, strength fill your mind. I'm going to bring you over, says the Lord. To a new place that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to bring you out of the desert to a spacious place. Well, I brought you through the fire. I brought you through the flood. And I brought you out. I brought you out a new place of rich fulfillment. I have you. If you believe. You see, in the Lord, it's already right now. 
Now faith is confident assurance of what we cannot see. It, it's already happened. It already happened. You just need to believe. You just need to believe. Confident assurance of you what you cannot see. If you can't see it, let that be your evidence that he's going to do it. After, we're, after all, he's not a man that he should lie. His word is true. His word is real. It's the same. His word is the same. He wants to help you today. If you're going through transition, I mean, you're, you're in the midst of change, and you're just like, man, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this thing, maybe. Or you've had these fleeting thoughts or a flicker of fear or discouragement. I want to pray for you. And I, I, I'd, I'd venture to say it's three quarters of everybody. He said, well, I'm not going through any change right now. Well, you're going to, honey. It's coming. Change cometh. Because if you didn't grow from being 18 to then 21, you didn't learn to change through the seasons, you'd still be a little infant. He wants you to grow. He wants you to change. He wants you to mature. He wants you to walk in a greater authority and anointing. He wants you to walk in a place that, that affects others all around you. He doesn't want you to be like a reed. He doesn't want you to be like a reed that's just blown when the wind blows. You just cave. He wants you to stand. And having done all else to stand, He wants you to stand. Resist the Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. God's going to bring you into that place. Come on, just make this place a house of prayer and lift your voice and ask God to strengthen you right now. Holy Spirit, come. Where are the dukes? Come here. Come right down the front, both of you, please. And the Lord says, you can't see it right now. Told me to tell you this today. I was praying for you. You're feeling the pressure of life around you and the call of God that's eminent and certain. And He's on you. And you are in this training. You are in this intense training. It's the boot camp of the Lord. You know what it is to be in boot camp. You know what it is to be hazed. You know what it is to go through the frustration and the push to the right and the push to the left and, you know, give me another one, take another lap and all of that. And you feel that right now. The Lord showed me what he's going to do in your life, at least in portion. And he wants to encourage you. And I tell you this, my daughter, what I've called you to, you've sensed it, you've seen it, you feel it. I see you preaching in front of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women. And I don't mean like our small little church. I see a release of God's power and authority upon your life. And I see you doing marriage, marriage seminars together. I see books that you'll write. You're like a hand in a glove, you two. It's a uniqueness. He's like a Peter. You're more calculating. He'll just run right off a cliff. And thank God for you, because he might not be here if, they, if, if you weren't around. And God certainly has placed you together. But I affirm to you the call of God. I affirm to you the anointing that's on your life and the time of training. You are in transition. And I see a series of things going to take place in the next six months. One of the main things that's going to take place is a burden. You're going to feel the pressure of heaven coming upon your heart for even loved ones that are around you. You've said, you've said, uh, what's your name again? I forgot. Right, Anna, I got it, okay. Sorry. Sometimes it gets like that for me in the Holy Ghost. All right, I love you. Charge it to my head, not my heart. 
You've said in even times of frustration, where, man, is he actually going to witness to somebody else for the love of God? I mean, you love people, but can we go home and feed the kids and put them to bed now? You've said things like that. Well, here's what's going to happen. The Lord's going to come on you with such a whirlwind of love and power that you're, he's going to be the one like, honey, really, we need to go. Anna, we need to, you know, and it's going to be like that. And you have certainly been yoked together. But I see God coming upon you in this next six months with a burden. Vision has a brother. Vision has a brother, the Lord says. The brother of vision is burden. For without a burden, you will never see the vision come to pass. And I have shown you some things, and I have revealed some things to you that if you were to share it with some people, they'd think you're partially crazy. But the Lord has done that. And I, I heard him to tell me to tell you, that's me. I've spoken those things. So dream and dream big. And let the burden come upon you. And as you pray and as you take action, you will see these things come to pass. Oh, the nagging assignment of the enemy is broken today. And I affirm to you the Holy Spirit. There's even churches in you. It's a church in you. There's a church in you. joy was for me for you to lead worship. I went over to Pastor Alex. I said, oh, man. Half the story yet to have been told. You're going to write music, and that music is going to go around the world even. I see you writing. I see you singing. I see God doing things in you. I see CDs and downloads. I see God putting a, a powerful anointing upon you as a couple, not just for worship, but also for leading. For there's a gathering anointing that I've placed upon you, says the Lord. It's operating in your business. It's operating in your business. It's operating in ministry. It's going to continue to operate and flow and grow. I'm going to gather people to you. 
Be sure as they're gathered to you that you connect them to the Lord. Be sure that you connect them to the vision. Be sure that you connect them rightly. For there'll be those that'll want to connect themselves to you and even try to make you like a Messiah-type person, someone that comes and rescues. You're all done that. You ain't doing that anymore. You really can't rescue anybody. You were just mailmen. But there is a gathering happening upon you, and I'm going to gather people to you, and I'm going to use you to raise up and release people into ministry. And I saw also... A powerful anointing upon you to preach. I saw now you, your wife can preach and you can preach too. You're, you're the dynamic duo. And if it's in your heart, really one thing the Lord won't do through you. I've given you a supernatural favor. The nagging assignment of those headaches is an assignment from hell. It tries to hit you at inopportune, at opportune moments to discourage you. And I command that thing to be broken. I command that my, those assignments of migraines to be broken off of your life. May they never return. In the name of Jesus. Over this whole family, God, we bless them. And I call forth your purposes for them. I call forth, Lord, all that you want. You also have to wash your hair. I'm so sorry. For a fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. I believe there's a church in you too. Or two or three. And I remind you that there's coming an opportunity. I see it now. There's coming an opportunity. But you're going to return to the very places that you were wounded in and you will preach the love of God. You won't deal with direct issues. You won't need to do that. You will preach the love of God, and by the anointing, I will come like a scalpel, like a surgeon, and deal with some things. You, you could have lifted your hand. You could, have, you could have done something about it. And because you didn't, I, I will. Vengeance is mine, but you kept your heart right. Did I not say that touch not mine anointed, then you certainly are anointed. And I'm raising you up. This is your year. 2017 to 2018 is going to be a year of breakthrough, miracles, and release of my power and anointing, not only for worship, but for preaching, praying, prophesying, and in your business. Get real clear, real clear on what the vision is for your family. Don't let it run haphazard. Don't let it just happen. Because certain things won't take place unless you get together, hold hands, and say, thus says the Lord. Now, Holy Spirit, I call forth your purposes. Just hold hands here. I call forth your purposes for them. Let a fresh fire and a fresh anointing come upon this couple in the matchless holy name of Jesus. Touch.
Cameron, come here. Choirs, come here. We're just going to go a moment longer. We'll be done. I affirm to you that you're called even, even to be a youth pastor. I see an anointing upon you, son. I see leadership upon you. Now, Holy Spirit, make it plain. Lead him, guide him, direct him. Open the way for him, Lord, for his education, his studies, Lord, and his training even now. Holy Spirit, let your power come upon him right now. Come on, someone say amen. I remind you of the prophetic words spoken through the prophet even in the last prophetic conference. I remind you of what God has said. Oh, you've just qualified yourself at times, but now you're starting to see it. You're starting to sense it. Oh, and you're saying yes. You're saying yes to all that God wants to do. I just freshly anoint you and your family. I affirm to you the miracle and the breakthroughs and that which you've been declaring will come to pass. Oh, Joshua, it will come to pass. I will do it. with Jesus don't you leave this place in the same condition that you came in I'm going to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment to him you say that's me Pastor Daniel would you lift your hands you want to be included in this prayer just lift your hand right now God bless you Wally praise the Lord God bless you all the way in the back God bless you Wally's always got his hands up glory to God you get you while he's getting saved again. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to get saved again, too. Anybody else? Come on. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you for your honesty. Come on, it's okay to be happy in church. If you're, if you're depressed, I mean, that would be bad. It's a place of joy. I see that hand. I see those hands. Come on, let's pray this. Sometimes we bring you all up, but for tonight, right where you are. And if you pray this prayer in sincerity, once you connect with one of with one of my people, uh, Pastor Vince, he'll be out there. Different ones will be out there of my, my leadership. If you can connect, Pastor Vince, would you head out there and just get some some uh, literature to help them grow in God? You just see Pastor Vince. He'll be in the in the back there after service by the information desk and help you grow in the things of God. Come on, let's pray. Pray this right out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son Jesus. To die on the cross for me. To rise from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. And come into my heart. Come into my life. And be my Lord. 
be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me, make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray you fill and touch. Break every bondage, every chain. Release your power upon each and every one of us. And I pray for those who are in transition, those in the midst of change. By the very power of the name of Jesus, drive out fear, release courage and strength. As we make the vision plain, as we make it clear, as we speak the word, as we meditate on it, we will be strong and very courageous. Knowing that you are with us as you were with Moses, as you were with Joshua. You not only live on the inside of us, you'll clothe us with power and might and authority to release your kingdom in the earth. Give us everything we need for the next season, oh God. Bring that transition and that change. Pastor Kirsten, the Lord tells me to tell you that you need to write the book. You have a book. It's no one else's book. It's your book. I think it's about families. Maybe other things too. There's a book that's in your husband. Maybe in you too. Maybe you co-write it. And furthermore, the book is going to release resources to you. And I have a publisher, too. I got connected with somebody while I was gone. They're telling me to write one, too. It's going to hardly spell my name, so I'm not sure how we're going to do that. There's going to be books that come forth from you and from the staff. Leaders being raised up. Come on, God's doing amazing things. Come on, God's doing amazing things. That, that, that parenting toolbox is a curriculum. It is a curriculum. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody say thank you, Jesus. We have prophetic teams that have been trained. We're going to invite you to come, and then we're going to close. Would you guys come right now, please? Just line up all across the front. If you want more prayer after I close, they're going to kind of flow and worship. And if you want more prayer, you need a word from the Lord, you just come and stand in front of one of these teams here, and they'll, they will, um, they'll give that to you and minister to you. You want to make sure you have a phone to record that, all right? If you don't have a recording device, then I'd ask our prophetic teams, just as a reminder, if there's no recording device, I'd ask you to hold off, please. You know, I'd have something to record, all right? Very important. All right, let's close in prayer. Father, thank you. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lord, lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. Go with God. We'll see you Wednesday night. Revival continues. God bless you.